Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. Some other body of Christ and the different members not getting along with each other. I was reading this and I'm like, man, this used to be my body when I was 31. All the parts work together. Something about 36. I know I'm not old, but something just happened overnight. You ever woke up and your knee just said, I ain't coming with you? You could, you go ahead and start this day, but I ain't, I ain't going to make the trip with you. Your, your back just said, I'm going I'm to sit this one out. <laughs> because I am, and if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God, somebody say God, God. not evolution, God, not a polywog, God, look at somebody say God made you, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. So if your nose is big, that's the way God wanted it. Bless God for your big nose. If you got little ears and we can't tell you got ears, that's the way God wanted it to be. Apparently you didn't need to hear much. But anyway, if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Father God, we declare you are our champion. God, if I'd be honest with you, it's a great song, but I forget that sometimes. I run into battles thinking it's going to be my strength or my ability or my intellect or my network that's going to win this battle. But God, on behalf of this church, we take a moment and we surrender every battle, every mountain, Every barrier to you. You're the one that brings the victory. God, we declare that it will line up with your word. Speak to us in this moment, we pray. We are grateful and thankful for this country that you've placed us in. God, that you would bless it and lead the government. And God, have the church step up and be who we are called to be in this nation. To turn it in the direction that you would be proud of. We give you the glory and the honor and the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, somebody shout amen. Amen and amen. I am uh, in the stage of life with a six-year-old, a five-year-old, and uh, almost two years old that getting a Band-Aid in the Chandler household is a major event. Not only is it a major event, it seems like it is a daily event. (laughs) Between these three kids, somebody always has a boo-boo. Daddy, I got a boo-boo. Daddy, I got a boo-boo. I I, I need a Band-Aid. Now, I'm proud of them because they're actually earning these (laughs) Band-Aids. Catch us about a year ago. We were putting Band-Aids on mosquito bites. We, we were putting Band-Aids on hangnails. Like, it didn't matter. I just got Paw Patrol Band-Aids. We got, I need a Band-Aid. Now, man, we're crashing bikes. 
We're jumping off of swing sets before the swing comes. We're out there playing basketball on the cement, skin and knees. We, we're, we're getting real. I'm freaking their mother out because they're like, they're bleeding again. And I'm like, yes, you will have it. By the way, if you did not bleed as a child, did you even have a childhood? Like, did you live? Any man that is worth his salt has some scar on his body that if you see it and just, what's that? Let me tell you about this story. I got one right here. It kind of bubbled up. We were playing. It was supposed to be touch football in our church clothes in a parking lot behind church one Sunday. Somebody got a little too touchy and it turned into tackle football on the cement. I hit somebody's car, hit the ground, whole back got cratered up. Boy, you still, it's grizzly. I feel like scars are a part of like life. Like, like you, you had a childhood. But they'll go and, I mean, listen. And <laughs> I want to talk about my wife. <laughs> my kids are a little dramatic. When I say a little dramatic, I mean a lot dramatic. And they don't get it from me. They... <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm going to preach this me. We're going to preach that. Ain't, that ain't from this blood. That's from the, the other contributor to their DNA. So they may fall off a bike. They may jump off a swing or whatever it may be. And if you didn't see the crash, you're certain they broke their neck. They're dead. I mean, it's over. Go and bring the ambulance. Just bring a hearse. It's over. I mean, I mean, they're just screaming and yelling, and you got to grab them. And it's okay. It's, you're gonna be all right. You're gonna be fine. And this whole deal. Oh my, especially Zoe. And I try to, this is just a part of riding your bike. No, we don't wear elbow pads. Those are for losers. We, we go, I mean, I'm, <laughs> pray for me. I'm trying to give my kids a real childhood. You know, we take them inside. No, actually, if they're real childhood, you don't go inside. You get the water hose and you, you just spray the hose on it. <laughs> get the gray. <laughs> Y'all in the medical community are like, this is so not Okay. You, you, you wash the wound off and daddy do I have to have the alcohol not the alcohol it's like well do you want the Paw Patrol band-aid you gotta get the alcohol first before the band weeping may endure for a night but the band-aid comes in the morning <laughs> so you, you, you clean it off and, and they pick their band-aid no I want that band I want this one I, I don't want this one I want and you put the band-aid on and that's just the beginning of the journey it's not the end because after they get a Band-Aid, then they can never extend that leg or that arm fully. Because I've got to walk like this for the next three days. So everybody asks me what happened. And I can tell them, not I fell. I got a Band-Aid. Look at, look at my Band-Aid. I got a Band-Aid. Tell everybody. I mean, the mailman come to the house. UPS man, don't matter. Look at my Band-Aid. I got a Band-Aid. I got a Band-Aid. About three days, four baths later. This Band-Aid is holding on for dear life. Let's try to scotch shape this thing back on. It's time to take off the Band-Aid. That's a message in itself. That's not today's message, but, but that's a good. I'm a, I'm a preacher message. One day called, it's time to take off. Just preach that to yourself on the way home. That's a good message right there. It's time to take off the Band-Aid because that, that, that wound needs to get some air. 
so that the healing process can take place. You can't tell me that this was all created from two rocks colliding and exploding when you look at the detail of creation. God actually made a body that heals itself. It's wild. You've got proof all over that, that, that the body heals itself. And it actually doesn't just like you go to sleep wounded and you wake up healed. It's, it's a process. The first step of that process is a step called hemostasis. Hey, come on now. It's amazing what a little Google could get you. That ain't even a college degree. That's just Wikipedia. But <laughs> It's the process when your body stops the bleeding. We, we just got to stop it. We, we've we've got to stop it from being worse than it actually is. The, the next stage is the inflammatory stage. And that's when the body actually cleans its own wound and stabilizes the location. Okay, I'm going to have to read this one. I don't got this one. Okay. <laughs> Pro, proliferative stage. Proliferative. The, don't quote me on that one. That was a little, that was a little iffy. That was a little iffy. I ain't going to hold you. That was a little iffy. But that's when your body actually begins to rebuild the area that was destroyed. I don't know if you know, but I'm preaching already. The last stage is a stage that you may not think about or may take the, it's just, it's, we're good. It actually is the longest stage and can take up to a year and it's called the maturation stage. The bleeding has stopped. The wound has been cleaned. The flesh has been regenerated, but now it needs to be strengthened. The skin has to get its elasticity back. It has to be restored back to its original state. It, it's, a, it's a process. And it all happens without you thinking about it. it you don't have to command your body, heal that scratch. You, you, you don't have to wake up every morning and, and, and meditate. No, no. It just, because that's the way God made the body. That it just heals itself. It can't be a coincidence that God calls his church a and the body heals itself. Y'all ready to preach now? First Corinthians, Paul said, I've got to help you out here. This church, this, this spiritual family that, that God's placed you inside of, it's a body, y'all. And, and when you think about a natural body, the entire body is not just one statue of eyeballs. There's eyes and there's ears and there's teeth and there's toes and there's fingers and there's hair and there's eyelashes and all this. Sometimes there's not hair, but all this different kind of stuff that... It's shady, y'all. I'm having fun, though. 
All these things that interconnected makes up an entire body. And he said, here's the deal. It's all needed. And actually, the parts that are less appealing that you may be more embarrassed of are actually the most critical parts to the body working the way that it's supposed to work. When you think about a body, only a minor part of it is actually seen on a stage. Preaching and singing and leading and talking. Actually, the most vital parts of it, you don't get to see. You can see hair. You can't see a heart. But you can live without hair. You can't live without. Come on now. You can see lips and you may like yours and you may not like yours, but you can't see lungs. No matter how your lips are, you can live with them the way they are. That when them lungs stop working, all of a sudden, all your attention is on that part of the body. And what happens in a church is so many people walk through the door every Sunday feeling invisible, feeling unseen, feeling like, hey, I'm just one in a mass of people at a bunch of different locations and now a bunch of different states, and, 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 and they don't really need me. They're not really thinking about me. They're, they're, they're not even paying attention to me. I'm just kind of coming in to receive something and kind of go out and try to live the best life that I can live and hear me. That invisible Christian mindset is opposite to what the Word of God says. The Word of God says that you are a critical part of this body that God actually pieced you together here on purpose, and there's something that you produce for this body that no other part or member can produce, and without you, this body can never be what he created it to be. I want to preach a message today called Lost in the Family. I'm in the room. I'm I'm going to church. I'm a part of this community, but I, I don't quite know what I'd be missed if I stopped coming. Does it matter that I'm here? Do I have a responsibility to those around me or is it just, let's see how it goes. A couple of thoughts is this. First thing is write this down, write this down. This body was designed to heal. This body was designed to heal. Here's the reality. Life just has a way, a millennial would say, life be life it. You know what life be life it means? It means sometimes it's good and sometimes, man, I could do without all of this. Life just has a way of wounding you. And the problem with the wounds that life inflicts is they're not visible wounds. You you see, if I get a cut on my arm, it's really difficult to ignore that cut. If I break my leg, it's really difficult to, to ignore the fact that I have a broken leg. But what happens when I have a broken heart? What happens when my self-esteem gets cut? What happens when when the risk taker, the faith walker inside of me catches a disease? It's a little bit more difficult to identify those things. And the wounds that life inflicts, it doesn't inflict it on our body. It inflicts it on our soul, our our mind, our dreams, our ambitions, our, our emotions. 
Some of those wounds came before we could even fight for ourselves. They came in our family of origin. Some of those wounds came from, from, from things that were said to us as kids, from experiences that we had as kids. And, and, and before we, we put your parents on the cross and crucify them, can I just help you out? They, they were just passing on the wound that was passed to them. You, you, you can only be bitter at your parents until you get saved enough to understand how life works. That every single person goes through experience that they never signed up for. And they're doing the best they can with what they have. The reality is granddad had this wound. Granddad passed that wound to dad and dad passed that wound to you. And without even realizing it, you're passing that wound to your son. Some wounds just come because life is tragic. Life is traumatic. Maybe it was a loved one passing away at an age that, that just was just enough to unearth all of your confidence. Maybe it was some sickness that you battled that, that you had no control over, but three, four, five years of your life were just consumed with fighting for your life. Maybe it was some horrific abuse or some experience that you may not have even talked about, but yet it still is affecting your soul. There's this book called The Body Keeps the Score, which even if I don't acknowledge it, even if my mind shoves it in a back closet, understand it still affects me even if I don't remember it. Come on now. Some wounds, this is when nobody's going to say amen or anything are self-inflicted. I can't blame my mama. I can't blame my dad. I can't. That was, that was me. That was, I knew better. Knew I shouldn't go there. Knew I shouldn't do that. Knew I shouldn't have talked to her. Knew I just, I knew it. I, I mean, just had the poster, run for your life. I was, you know, it's fun to say you were young and dumb, except some of us weren't that young. <laughs> we were dumb, but that was last week. <laughs> and there's just certain wounds that, that we, we, didn't, we didn't know it was going to wound us until it was too late. But by the time it was too late, it was too late. And that person walks out of my life and with them goes my self-esteem. This business falls apart, and with it comes my faith and my risk-taking that falls apart. And I find myself just wounded, not knowing where to go because there's not a hospital for your soul. There's a hospital for your heart, for your cholesterol, and a hospital for your soul. So, so what do I do? I, I keep marching. I look at everybody else, and they're wounded, and they're marching. So, so I keep marching, but you've got to understand, as it is in the natural, so is it in the physical. When your natural body is in great pain, it affects every... You ever been in pain? You ever stepped on a Lego? And there was another tongue coming out your mouth, but it was not the Holy Spirit praying through you. Not the perfect will of God. 
pain as a way of dominating all of your thoughts, all of your focuses, all of your attention, and without even realizing it, subconsciously say, I've got to do something about this pain. I can't function this way. So some of us look for love and relationships to inoculate the pain. If I could just find enough people that are impressed with me, that, that, that love me, that, that make me feel special, I could forget about the pain on the inside. So some of us look for accomplishments and accolades and wealth to inoculate the pain. Hey, hey, yeah, my heart's jacked up, but my account is popping. Yeah, my esteem is low, but... But my degrees and my doctorates and my masters are, are stacked high. And we think if I get enough accolades, it will suppress the wound that I don't really know how to heal. And then some people are like, I don't need it healed. I just need it numb. So then we start reaching for vices. Here comes alcoholism and drugs and sex and whatever else we can do to just stop feeling this. Acts chapter 9 verse 11 says this. So the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying, and in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. In Acts chapter 9, we run across a man by the name of Saul that, hear me, life had been lifened. Saul was told his entire life that if you become a Pharisee, if you educate yourself on the things of Scripture, that that, that that will actually fulfill everything that you have in your life. And he was a zealot. He was after the education that they gave him, only to have a run-in with Jesus and to realize everything he was numbing his pain with was only compounding the situation that he was in. After this run-in with Jesus, watch this, he found himself blind because that's what the wounds of life will do to you. How, how do I know if I'm wounded? And we'll talk about that in a second. When I've got no vision for next year. When I don't even have a dream for five years from now. I can barely see to Friday. Wounds steals your ability to see. And here is Saul in a house, blind, crying out to Jesus to heal. He said, I'm not even going to eat food until Jesus heals. And watch this. Jesus refuses to heal him. Instead, he goes to a man in the church named Ananias. He said, there's a man that needs healing. Not physical healing, but the type of healing that can only happen in church. And he's waiting on you to go. And when you go and lay hands on him, he's going to get his sight back. He's going to be able to see him. He's going to be able to see God. And he's going to be able to see his Here, I just asked my Bible questions. Why didn't Jesus heal him himself? Because he was trying to make a point that there's certain healing is regulated 
for the body. There's certain healing that only takes place in the church. The Bible says this in James chapter 5, verse 16. Admit your faults to one another and pray for each other so that you may be, what's that word? Healed. For the earnest prayer of a righteous man has great power and wonderful results. As you know, there's probably 75 plus different translations of scripture. And, and it's all the same Bible, but they'll use different words as they're replacing the Greek word or the Hebrew word or whatever it may be. And, and I look for that word where it says, admit your faults. And that's a rare translation. You, you, you know what most of the translations say if you read the King James, New King James, NIV? And you know what it says? It says, confess your sin to one another that you might be. You know why I didn't read that? Because I say sin, y'all get all uptight. I say confess, y'all say like, nope. I ain't confessing nothing. I ain't telling nobody nothing. I'm taking, I'm not gonna ask for a raise hand. Some of y'all got some stuff that you have, I'm taking this to the grave. I am, ain't nobody, nobody. You ever, you ever told your friend, you better never tell anybody. Pinky swears, pick shape. This never gets it. And they're like, it'll never get out. When we think of the word sin, we think of the worst aspects of our life. And that's not what it means. It simply means areas that don't line up with God's best. And there's certain areas in your life that are wounded. I know I say crazy stuff every time, but y'all used to me by now. Y'all ready? That God will never heal till you tell somebody. That's rough. That's messed up, right? Because I ain't telling nobody nothing. He'll forgive you. But he said, I actually can't heal you. Because I created the body to heal its. And if you decide to be disconnected from the. You've made a decision to be disconnected from your source of. This is this tight. This tight. Y'all wowing. I'm wowing because I'm still like, I ain't going to tell nobody. I don't care what you say. I'm just going to be sick the rest of my life. That's, that's all right. I, you know what? They walk with the limp. I'm going to walk with the limp too. Second thought is let's write this down. Write this down. Healing. Healing takes time. And it's uncomfortable. My my, my pastor actually has had two uh, rotator cup surgeries and, and said the recovery process was more painful than tearing my rotator cup. The, 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 the tendon that tore, and I ain't a doctor, so that's about as far as I went. The tendon that tore, that's about all I got for you. I don't know, no, no. It was, it was painful. I remember when it popped. I, I remember the room spinning. I remember them having to pop it back in. I, I remember all of that. But do you know what I remember more than that? I remember the three months of sleeping in a recliner because I couldn't lay in a bed without passing out. 
I remember the pain of when the medication was wearing off and, and it wasn't time to take another medication. So I just had to sit in that. Some of y'all remember some surgeries y'all went through. You're like, Pastor, this is triggering, okay? I need you to not be that detailed because you're taking me. But sometimes the healing process is more painful than what actually caused the wound in the first place. And we wish God would just wave a magic wand and, and, and instantaneously you're healed. And, and sometimes he does, but most of the time he lets the body heal itself. So because of the pain of admitting, I'm a grown man and I don't know who I am. Because of the pain of admitting, uh, I'm, I'm a beautiful woman. That's what everybody else says, but I don't see that when I look in the mirror. Because of the pain of admitting, when I, when I closed that build business, I, I lost a piece of myself. Because that's a really awkward and uncomfortable conversation. And because the healing doesn't happen the first time I say, I'm not okay. We say, you know what? I... I'm good. I'm, I can cope. I can't move as fast as I used to. I, I'm not as agile as I was, but that's life. You know what I mean? Life be life in it. And, and we pretend. Nobody pretends more than church folks. And I'm not just saying that to get hype out of a church. Here's why. The world knows they jacked up. They, I'm going to club and I'm a blackout. They just, I'm messed up. You can't walk in a church and be like, I'm messed up. <laughs> you just can't do that. People will grab you. They'll take you into a prayer room. You don't know. <laughs> you don't know what's going to happen in church if they find out you messed up. So you can't, I can't let them know I'm messed up. So I'm, I'm just, God is good all the time, all the time. He got up. I'm still down, but he got up. <laughs> And we pretend like we got it all going on because healing is awkward and it takes too long and it's uncomfortable. Jesus was standing in front of some Pharisees and he said, I am the truth and I've come to set you free. Here's what they said in John chapter 8 verse 33. They answered him said, we're Abraham's descendants. And we have never been slaves to anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? <laughs> question for y'all. This is a real question. Have you ever read the Bible? What part? Any part. Don't matter. Because in every part, Israel slaves. <laughs> Come on now. Like in the first book, they're in Egypt. It's bad. It's not like three years. Every time about 400 years. It's bad. Then if you get to some of the kings, they get out of slavery for like 15 minutes. They turn their back on God. Here comes the Philistines. Philistine roll out. Here comes the Moabites. They roll out. Here comes, you know, uh, Nebuchadnezzar and, and Persia. And, I mean, and then finally we get to Malachi. We're good. Moabites, all of, here comes the Romans. And they're there for like 600 years. Like the whole book. <laughs> the moment that they said we've never been slaves before in our lives. The moment they said that they were in slavery to the Roman Empire. Which tells us 
that denial is not just a river in Egypt. But it's a location that a lot of us live at. This is this TMI. This, this, let me talk about some of my wounds. I, yeah, I, 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 had, I had a bunch of stuff. I don't have enough time to know sermon series. I'll unpack that. But just insecurity and rejection was one of my big deals. And, you know, I like to hold on to it. So I just figure, you know, if I'm bringing all my wealth, I might as well bring my rejection to my marriage too. Because, you know, she's going to get all of me. So my wife would say something like, hey, babe. Did you read? She still says this. I told her to stop. First year to 10 years of our marriage, she was saying, hey, babe, do you remember to take out the trash? Shh. I'm preaching, okay? You see, that's why men can't be transparent for nothing. Try to have a month. John, be humble right now. She was saying, babe, do you remember to take out the trash? Yo, I've never cussed my wife out. I'm not not crazy. But like a pastor Christian, I would snap. Why do you don't? I'm a man. You think I'm going to forget to take? It's been there for three weeks. I ain't taking it out in three weeks. You think I'm going to forget to take the trash out? I've got this. I'm the man of the. I can take the trash out. Stop reminding me. Think I'm a little boy? She'd be like, well, actually, right now, I can't tell. Somebody say, denial. Something, something wrong with him. <laughs> some, 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 something's not healed. We even have code words for not being healed. They pushed my buttons. No, they touched a wound. That triggers me. No, it reminds you of something that's not healed. But because we're in denial, oh, I'm preaching today, I'm at. But because we're in denial and we've presented so well at church, we've actually tricked ourselves into thinking, how do I know I need to be healed? You ready? You ready? Just let me say, how do I know? Inhale, inhale, inhale. Exhale. If you were able to do that, you broken. No, you jacked up. Look, just look at your neighbor and say, I can smell it all on you. You, you, you jacked. You. Ser- seriously, with all seriousness, if you're breathing, you're broken. Not as broken as you were yesterday but not as healed as you'll be tomorrow. Some of us got over this one wound. We were so proud and so exhausted after that. that we said, I'm good. And no longer. God says, there's so much more health that I have for you. There's so much more healing. There's, if you are breathing, there's more. The, here, here, here's another way you can tell that you're wounded. If there's an area of your life that's not lining up with the promises of God. If God's word said I should be experiencing this, but I'm really experiencing this. It's not just life be life in. There's a wound there. 
The Bible says, may you prosper even as your soul. If I had time. If your money is funny, your heart's hurting. If your relationships are in shambles, your heart's hurting. If you can't sleep at night, these are all indications of something here. And here's what God said. He said, I've given you a body that can heal that. But you've got to decide not to be a dislocated foot. You've got it. This is the body he's placed me in. So, so I, I, I'm going to be connected to the body. How, how does God heal? God heals through his presence. As, by the way, if you come to church and from the first note, tears just start streaming down your face. Don't you dare be ashamed one moment. Healing is taking place. That is literally the aroma of his presence touching parts in your life that no medical doctor can ever reach. Healing takes place through prayer. After every service, we have a prayer team that comes forward and says, hey, if you have a prayer need for whatever it is, come allow some. And, and in that prayer, because the Bible says wherever two or three are gathered in his name, there he will be also. When you connect with somebody else, God is healing in that moment. God, God heals through his word. Watch this. Psalm chapter 107 verse 20 says this. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. You may not know this, but as you're sitting under preaching, healing is taking place. Can, can I tell you how the word heals? Because it's lies that have wounded you. Every wound that you have is a lie that you've believed. When that person walked out of your life, you believed the lie that you deserved it. That if you had just been more insert, they would have stayed. When that business failed, when that abuse took place, when you inflicted that wound on yourself, you, the enemy came in with a lie and said, you deserve that, you earned that, it's because you're not worth anything or whatever. But as the word of God is preached over you and you begin to realize, wait, I am seated in heavenly places. I'm no longer here in the earth realm. He is for me, not against me. God said that I'm so valuable that he bankrupted heaven to purchase me. It doesn't matter who walked out on me because they didn't purchase me. They don't get to... As you sit under the word, it eradicates the lies that have been wounding you, and you're healed in this moment. Can I just talk plain? I just got to get you to stay. I just got to get you not to jump off of the operating table in the middle of the operation. Think about it. If you got open heart surgery, what's the worst time to leave? <laughs> I mean, just you, you watch as much TV as I do. Just picture in your mind, chest open, clamps. Doctor says, hang me the, and the patient says, no, that's okay. I got to go. It's taking too long. It's uncomfortable. It's, it's too much blood. Come on, your chest. I feel exposed. It's because you are, okay? It's because you are. But you're exposed in a safe place. It's been sterilized. 
There's professionals. They've done this hundreds of times before. They were trained. There, there's people watching all of your vitals to make sure that you're in a stable place. If you walk out now, it actually can get worse than it currently is. But people, I'm just, I mean, I, 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 people be walking out of church for anything. Man, parking team looked at me cross-eyed. I ain't going to that church. I don't know who they. You gonna let another wounded person upend you from your place of healing? They disrespected me. You know why? Because they're wounded. And sometimes in the hospital, it gets a little crowded. So they got people sharing rooms and put your bed next to somebody else's bed. You know, it's, uh, we're going to we gonna get you to your own room eventually, but it's the ER, okay? It's a little, we're a little, a little crowded right now, but we, don't worry about them. They're just grumpy. They're healing over there. You heal here. Just keep the curtain closed. Make sure you got your little bathrobe tied in the back. And, but don't let them make you run out of your place of healing. Last thing is this. Write this down. If you play... I'll stop. (laughs) We are healed to heal others. Okay. If you don't know me, if you don't know me by now, (laughs) you're going to know me now. Y'all, I'm a little disrespectful, okay? I'm a little irreverent. Sometimes y'all get offended, but y'all be all right. Y'all love it. You ever been to a funeral? <laughs> Pastor, please don't, please don't. I have to, I have to, I have. You ever been to a funeral? It's sad. Somebody, somebody died. Everybody's sad. It's bad when they're not sad. It's, they should be sad. People crying. But there's always that one person. I won't be stereotypical, but it's usually an aunt. And she just, I mean, Try to jump in the casket. They had to close it real quick. Sliding down the pew. I don't know know how we're going to live anymore. It's usually just like this big bosom woman. I mean, just (laughs) forgive me. I just promise I'm going somewhere. (laughs) And I (laughs) bring it back, bring it back, bring it back. (laughs) Too far? He went too far. <laughs> and I don't know what it is. Play me a funeral song. Play me some. Just make it feel like a, like a funeral up in here. And they, they singing a hymn when we all. It's just, y'all getting this moment, right? You maybe got a, a cousin or something. And you just grab this. It's going to be okay. We're going to make it. We're going to get through this. We're going to do all right. Trying to comfort everybody else. But you the one. <laughs> I promise y'all I'm not this irreverent normally, but it's Kyle. Okay, stop it, stop. Now I really feel sad. <laughs> it's like, how about you take care of you before you worry about comforting? That's church, y'all. We got a bunch of uncomforted people trying to comfort everybody else. You broke, you trying to heal me. 
No, let's. Second Corinthians chapter one, verse three says this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Watch this. Who comforts us all in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort, watch this, we ourselves receive from God. The Bible says freely you have. Now freely you can't give what you don't have. And if you've never admitted that you're broken, then you've never been healed. But I've got to admit that I'm broken so that God can heal me. And when he's healed me, then I've got something to give out. You may have heard me say this a million times. The most painful wound in my life was the day my mom passed away. Broke my heart. Talk about took my vision. I, I can't see the future because everything about my future included her in it. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to go any further. The most painful thing that ever happened to Stephen was the best thing that ever happened to Pastor Stephen. Because prior to that moment, I was preaching about compassion that I didn't know. Prior to that moment, I'd throw the word out, grace. God's grace is sufficient. Had no idea what grace was. Until life took me to the place where I had nothing more to give. And the grace of God swept in and said, now that you're weak, I can be strong. Some of you have been cursing your pain not realizing that your pain is somebody else's deliverance. Some of you have been looking at situations in your life that are in the past and you've healed from them, but you're still mad about it and you're still angry about it and you don't understand. God put you in this body because there's somebody that is going through that right now that has no vision for tomorrow. They can't see past Friday. And God says, I've connected y'all in the same family so that you can go, hey, I've been there, done that, still got the t-shirt and I still got my joy and I've still got vision for tomorrow. Yeah, it got dark sometimes. Yeah, it was rough, but my healer has healed me. And what he did for me, he can do for you. Some of you need to shake the shame of your wounds off. And start seeing that it is the balm of Gilead. It is the healing oil that somebody around you needs in the body that God has connected you to. He said, I'm going to heal you. I'm going to comfort you. I'm going to strengthen you. But hear me, don't keep it to yourself. Don't take the comfort of God and run out of these doors and live your life. Linger in the lobby just once. Join a connect group. Who knows who you're going to meet as a serve day? I got to end. We out of time. I was at a place, ran into a church member. I said, Pastor. I, I just finished Grove Track. I said, great. Are you on a dream team? She said, yeah, I'm serving on the greeters team. I said, why'd you pick the greeters team? She said, because my first Sunday at church, I was going to take my life after church. And I walked in that service and I cried the entire service. I said, I've never felt peace like that. I've never felt joy like that. 
She said, after church, I was standing in the lobby, afraid to go home, not knowing if those suicidal thoughts would come back. She said, I was standing in the lobby looking like a, her words, not mine, looking like a lost puppy. She said, a greeter came up to me and gave me a hug. I said, I don't know you, but the Holy Spirit told me to give you a hug. And he told me to tell you that it's going to be all right. And she said, that hug healed me. Her words, not mine. What she said next blew my mind. She said, Pastor, I want to be on the greeters team to look for lost puppies like me. And here's what she said. I know what they look like because that was me. Some of you have been through wounded seasons in your life where you can look at somebody and say they are going through the exact, I know the signs, I know what it looks like, I know the fake smiles, I know the over projections, I know they're going through what I went through. And sometimes something as simple as a hug, a word from God, hey, I see what you're going through and it will not end there, is all the hope that somebody needs to keep That's what this family is. I don't know if your eye, a foot, a toe, an ear. I don't know what you is. But I know you need to be connected. Because this place will heal you. And what God's healed in you will heal somebody else. Father God, we're grateful. God, we're, God, we're grateful that you thought of everything. Even thought of how to heal the broken parts of us. God, in every Sunday that we preach, there's someone who's healed and there's someone who's broken. God, I pray that you'd meet them right now, both where they are. That person that's holding on by a thread, God, in this moment, that your word would heal over their lives. That they would know that their best days are ahead of them, not behind them. That this pain won't last forever. And that someone else is counting on their victory. Just where you are with your eyes closed and your head bowed, if you could pray this prayer with me. Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Just give God a moment to make this time, to make this message personal to you. Before I close, I want to particularly pray for those of you that if you'd be honest, you would say, Pastor, I'm not connected to the body. I'm not asking, are you a member or did you grow up in church? The Bible says that Jesus is the head of the body. And he is our connection point. And without Jesus in your life, you have no access to all the healing and joy and purpose and eternity that comes with him. So wherever you find yourself, you say, Pastor, that's me. I, I go to church or maybe it's my first time. But if I'd be honest, I've never, I've never surrendered to Jesus. I've never asked him to make me new, to be the Lord of my life. But I want to. That's you. This is your moment. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you. It was your blood. It was your death on the cross that erased my sin, that forgave my mistakes, that grafted me into your family. And in this moment, I receive salvation. I surrender my life. I give you all of me. Be my Lord be my savior and use me for your glory in Jesus name. 
amen and amen. Come on, can you celebrate for every single person? Come on, can somebody lift a shout of the God in this place?